0: Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, you're going to learn from the nonprofit Food Rescue. You will learn the tactics on how to fundraise money for a nonprofit and how they managed to build up this 501c3 nonprofit into 19 states and 40 chapter presidents. It is huge. And you're going to learn why food waste is such a problem and how they're trying to solve it today and how you can actually help them. We had three guests on the show. It was John, Val, and Brendan. I had a lot of fun with this crew while I was in Indianapolis. and I promise you, they're going to give you a lot of great content they can use in your own life. Whether you're doing fundraising or maybe you're raising money for a different cause, whatever it is, you're going to learn a lot from them. Speaking of fundraising... I'm huge in fundraising. I love it. I've been a part of nonprofits, and what I'm big into now is crowdfunding. I've been called the king of crowdfunding, and I help others with crowdfunding. I can help you raise money for anything, nonprofits, your invention, your business idea, you name it. There really isn't much that you can't raise money for anymore on crowdfunding. You can learn more about my services at keystothecrowd.com, and I can help you make maybe the next million-dollar crowdfunding campaign. I would love to be a part of your campaign to help make that come true. Now let's jump into today's show and hear from Food Rescue, who plan to change the way we look at food and make a huge impact on this world. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and I am sitting in Indiana. I'm sitting with a group of people here, some awesome guys, and we've already been talking for an hour here, and I'm like, I better put the record button on. But I'm gonna let you see these guys, and they're gonna tell their story. We're gonna learn about food rescue. We're gonna learn about their lives, of how they built this up to where it is today, and why you should care. So first, we got John Williamson, Val Crook, and my buddy, Brendan Preston. First, I wanna hear from you, John. Where you got started in all this and how it led to you guys meeting each other
1: oh no problem <laughs> thanks for having me dude. yeah Man, i really appreciate it uh you know my wife read to me an article eight years ago about people that are called freegans who get food out of the trash can but they're not homeless and for some reason it just drove me crazy and yeah. i went down to uh what's whole foods and panera bread and marsh and another walmart actually at the time they basically said john we've got this all covered but Panera grabbed me by the arm on the way out and said, you know, around the city, we're really throwing it out in a lot of different places. Why don't you call the corporate office? So I did, and I found out where my local food pantry was, and my wife and I began picking up one night a week at one store, and one turned into two, and two turned into four, and we're like, we can't do this, so we need help. <laughs> and I sent out an email blast to my friends, and lo and behold, Brendan uh, said, man, I really would love to help you with this. And And it just really grew to a point was within a year, we'd founded a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. And uh, within a year or two, we were in 19 states with 40 chapter presidents teaching people how to connect children and families in need with surplus food. And I learned about the 40% of our food in our country that's wasted while one in six are hungry. And that became our motto. One in six are hungry while 40% of our food is wasted. Let's fix it. That is is amazing.
0: And now, Brennan, you're the vice president.
2: Tell how you guys met, which is very interesting. How did you get involved first? Where did you meet John? I met John through a letter that he sent out to my neighborhood, and he had a business concept that he was working with that I thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, He's a real estate agent, and he had a deal where if you use him to buy your next home, he'll waive his commission when you sell your home. Genius. I didn't have a, yeah, it's a phenomenal idea. as a marketer, I was like, this is great stuff. I got to tell this guy. This is awesome. Well, the letter sat on my desk for a couple of months. And then finally, I felt like I was telling me, you need to call and encourage this guy. This is a good concept. So I did. We had a great talk. We met a little while later, maybe a month later and talked and thought, well, that was a nice meeting. He's a neat guy. And then the next thing I know, I get this email blast where they're picking up food at Panera Bread. And I was like, this is so awesome. This food should not be in the trash. It should not go into landfills. It could feed people who are hungry. I love Panera Bread. I would love to have that if I was hungry or couldn't pay my bills or whatever. Yeah. So I said, yes, me, please. And I thought, maybe this isn't the biggest thing I can do, but I can do a little piece here and make a difference in the world. This will be my, my start right here. Little did I know that seven, eight years later, this would become... Turned into a huge, yeah, big movement. There, beyond anything I could have imagined. Um, and it was just fantastic. And John and I started working together, and when we realized how big this was, he said, would you like to help? I was like, well, yeah. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> now,
0: let's hear Val. How did you get involved with this?
3: Hey, hey, thanks for having us, Yeah, uh, Brandon. Hey, hey, quite simply, uh, I've known John for probably 12 years now. Met John initially at a... Uh, men's golf weekend that we would do uh, for the past like I said it's been going on for probably 14 years or so and John's been a part of it got invited to that weekend met John then and have known him for the past 12 years not until um, this past spring when we went to Dublin Ohio for the Memorial Golf Tournament um, that we really started talking and I got engaged in regards to this whole idea of one and six are hungry but guess what? 40% of food is being wasted. Yeah. And so as John and I were talking about food rescue and what they did and really trying to engage um, the people that we're going after in regards to telling the story is when I said, man, I'm in. I want to help. That's I want to awesome. be a part of this. So.
0: You know, one thing quickly, a side note, is it, tell me briefly, tell the audience how you built up for the raising money with the golf course aspect. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that's good for fundraising too. Yeah, no,
3: absolutely. It's so funny, I'm glad I'm talking to your college audience, but (laughs) uh, you know, I uh, always wanted to be a a medical device rep because I knew how much money that made, Yeah. you know? And so spine was my thing. I wanted to be a sales rep in the spine industry, right? And got the gig, you know, through working for a couple other companies. As we kind of walked through that process, I had an opportunity to do an event uh, with some guys at a, at a church, that I, local church that I go to um, on a Saturday. So I told my boss, I said, hey, I'll tell you what, um, this particular Saturday, I can't, because um, you'd be on call, right? Yeah. So I can't work this particular Saturday. I told him a month in advance. Um, the Friday before that Saturday, I got a call, hey, I need you to be at a cadaver lab on, on, on Saturday. I said, hey, we talked about this, uh, you know, you yeah, gave me the okay, <laughs> here's the email. He says, Denzel, which is my name, my friends call me Valvo. he says, Denzel, yeah. I don't care if it's the 11th hour or or your kid's birthday. If you're not, <laughs> sure. if you're not at this cadaver lab on Saturday, you're done. So, um, I resigned that Monday. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I say. And So there's a longer story to that, but a few, a couple months prior, I had an idea uh, to help local non profits that, local non profits that did uh, traditional golf outings and we did these non-traditional golf outings and the idea was raise 30,000 in 30 days with 30 people. All you needed was 30 people that were passionate about whatever your organization did, Yeah. right? From those 30 people, we created a web-based solution that allowed you to drive a campaign that had incentives and so forth built in and we ran out, raised money for 30 days. The idea was all you needed to do as an individual was get 10 people to give you a buck a hole. And just all a thir- buck. Just a buck. Don't ask for $100. Yeah. Just tell them, hey, give me $1 a hole, I'll be playing 100 holes. They'll yeah. figure out later on yeah. that they're giving you 100 bucks. Yeah. But you
2: just ask for a buck
3: a hole. Strategy, man. Absolutely. And guess what? You know, I always say, people give to people. You know, The sad thing is, they don't care if you're feeding the hungry, or they don't care that's if so you're true. helping yeah. kids in Africa. They buy Otherwise, into you. Otherwise, they would, yeah, They're they true. believe in you, and they want to support what you're doing, you know? And so that was the key. So that's what we built it on.
0: That's awesome. Like that story, just like you said, people buy into you. And for crowdfunding, which I do, in fundraising, it, they buy into your story and who you are as a person. So if you're a great person, they'll give to you. Now it's sad, you're right, that people don't just give to different nonprofits. There's a million nonprofits out there. It's the ability, if you can stand out and show why your problem is more impactful, needs more attention than the others. So let's jump in now, John, with Food Rescue. Tell me the mission, what your guys' mission is, and from where you started, and how it's kind of built up, the process. Lighten us the story of how it built to where it is, and the struggles along the way struggles. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So
1: our mission is so simple. It's to demonstrate the love of God to people in the form of a meal. That's yeah. the heart of everything that we're doing. Uh, we educate people about food waste. We educate people about the impact it has on the environment. This juxtaposition of obesity and hunger actually operating at the same time in our country. But at the end of the day, all of that is really to, to get to the point where we want to give people meals so that people would know that God really them. Yeah. So we start with that as a mission, and then over the course of time, um, you know, we started with restaurants. So and we've worked with seven years trying to get restaurants to donate their surplus perishable food, to learn about the tax benefits they have from donating food, to remember about the social impact that they can have, to build with their customer base, to become a green organization. We try to educate them on the impact that... Uh, rotting food in landfills uh, produces methane gas, which is 20 times more impactful to the environment, which very few people wow, know. Wow, I wouldn't so there, ever yeah, think of that. Yeah, so there's so there's that issue as well. So that is, uh, as Brendan refers to this as many times, called plowing concrete. Because a lot of these uh, restaurants, are, are they're advised by their lawyers. And if there is one scintilla of risk, even like breathing air into the your, your lungs, there's risk in that. Yeah. They tell them don't do it because they're trying to protect their brand. Yeah. Um, so that over time has become was very, very difficult, but we were able to get 200 restaurants uh, connected with 200 caring agencies over a seven-year period, but then the crazy thing happened, and that was that I got a call from one of our chapter presidents in Anderson, Indiana, and she said, did you know that we've been picking up from all the South Medicine schools this entire year, all the cafeterias, and I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I said, that might have been something I might want to know. Yeah. Um, We've been trying with schools for years, but they always give the same answer. We're not able to do that. These are publicly national funded, you know, with taxpayer yeah. dollars, meals. We can't get those out there. Well, the food service director in South Madison schools was the president of the Indiana State Nutrition Association. That's called dumb luck. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a strategy. You know, that, that the first school that we worked with actually had the president of the Indiana State Nutrition Association. And what we learned was that the Richard Russell National School Lunch Act was amended in 2011 to allow Good Samaritan laws, the protection of Good Samaritan laws that came on in 1996 that restaurants and grocery stores were afforded. So there's no risk then to these schools exactly. because they're un- they have the legal protection. And when you look at the waste that the kids actually have with their unwanted, unopened, and unpeeled uh, items that are on their trays, it's a stunning amount of food. We have elementary school in Anderson that throws away 260 items per day. Per day? Per day. The average that we find with our schools is about 60 items per day. So if you prorate that over a state with our 2024 schools, That is 22 million food items annually that we are feeding to landfills rather than children and families in need. And in addition to that, we're we're teaching them to harm the environment. So we tell the kids that food has nutritional value. Yes. But as they pass by the trash can, we tell them it's not valuable enough to preserve. So we're sending these horrible messages to children at the same time. So all of our restaurant work that we did has brought us To this moment in time and in the last year we have brought on 200 plus schools into the k-12 food rescue movement where when they walk by the trash can they now have a choice on what to do with the unwanted unpeeled it makes them
0: think differently when they go to that
1: trash can too exactly so where this brings us to is wow we have this incredible opportunity in these 200 schools and these kids are participating But how do we get them engaged Yes, and that's where the story of the young man that I told you about, Ben Simon, with yes, the food let's Recovery hear about him. Network, comes in.
0: And he's thirty under thirties on Forbes
1: Absolutely. and everything. Thirty under thirty, the Forbes uh, Social Entrepreneur List. He called me four years into Food Rescue. He's twenty years old in Maryland. He's interested in solving the food waste problem on college cafeterias. Asks me tons of questions. This, this, and this. And he's just gathering information. He's got this idea. He's getting really engaged in the food waste issue and all that really matters is fast forward four years and he's on TV radio he's got college kids around the country signing up chapter presidents left and right over 200 colleges are now donating their, wow. their food to food batteries. the young man changed the world so what we want to do is to lift his story up and tell these high school kids you can be the next Ben Simon you can change the world just like he did yes. and inspire them with his story and that's where Val comes in with our Slay program.
0: Let's let's hear about that. All right, it's quite simple, you know.
3: We, I like to be simple, stupid. So at the end of the day, exactly. At the end of the day, Slay stands for Student Led Entrepreneurship Initiative. And like we were talking earlier, Brandon, um, you know, develop. You can develop this entrepreneurship DNA. Yes. Right. So how do we how do we do this um, at the high school level so we could help foster Ben Simons, right? Because who knows, like you were saying earlier, millennials, they want a challenge, right? Millennials want want to change the world. world. So that's what we're gonna do. So we have created the SLAY program, like I said, student-led entrepreneurship initiative, where we are going into high schools and we're giving them that opportunity. At the end of the day, John hit the nail on the head. He said, hey, he posed the problem. So we're gonna pose the problem to them. One in six are hungry, but guess what? 40% of the food that we've got is wasted, right? Suppose that 40 went to 30, and that 30 went to 20, and that 20 went to 10. How much more people can eat? Well, guess what? So we're gonna pose that problem to the kids in high schools, right? Here in Indiana. Get them young, yes. And then hopefully throughout the country and and ask them to solve the problem with our guidance. And we're gonna facilitate the process. We have some some solid things that we wanna accomplish in, in, in this mission in regards to um, helping them really think through this process, right? And then executing this process that we have put together in creating videos, um, doing podcasts. Doing things that millennials care about. Doing things that millennials care about. (laughs) The cool stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what I love. And those are the things that are gonna change our minds. Yeah, Because like John was saying earlier, uh, we're not gonna do it, they will, right? And so we're just giving them the opportunity and creating a model to help lead and guide them. So we're going to uh, develop this hunger relief aspect in their lives. Then we're going to affect the environment and we're going to affect student leadership at the same time. Hey right? no, it's
0: genius. It's, it's genius. And, you know, it's so true. They people listen to the millennials and listen to what they have to offer. And if you could get them at the young age, you get them now,
1: you could really affect the years to come. So where Ben succeeded was he was able to get his generation to tell the story in the way that only they know how to do. Yes. So there's no reason that 16-year-olds can do the same thing yes. in, as, as what a 20-year-old can do if they just have a little guidance. So you know they're going to be tracking the stats of their school. They're going to be blogging about it. They're going to be challenging other schools to get involved. And if you think of it, if you ever hear about investing, investors will talk about the holy grail of investing is passive income. Yes. Okay, where your money's working for you. Well, what our advisory board advised us to do is to take these participating kids in these schools and make them engaged to the point where all this content is being put out there. And that's honestly what Ben did. He was able to get tons of content and coverage for the story, and he brought more. Exposure to the food waste issue than you can even possibly imagine and he did it by engaging rather than just Participating
0: yet yeah, participating won't doing it it's <laughs> engaging with the market and like I mean what he did Ben did is exactly I mean what you guys will do you get five Ben's on board and inspire and Get them engaged the market like Millennials like me high school students five to ten years from now You're gonna see an impact that will change the world
3: Think I think that word impact is the key, man. If we could show the kids that they could have impact in this area in regards yes. to hunger relief, in regards to what exactly we're doing, man.
0: Everybody wants to be a part of something big. And if you show them, hey, you can be, like you said, be the next Ben Simon and be the influencer that could be in Forbes, but changes the world. Be a part of this, we'll help you, and you can heck you can be the face of it. Yeah. Help us do that. And that approach right there if other nonprofits took that approach, they would really make a bigger impact on the country.
1: What we really believe is, you know, even even Val and I just learned the last couple of weeks through some engaging with people is, you know, in, Indiana has a very high infant mortality rate that nobody knows about. That's yeah. an issue. We believe that by <clears throat> taking kids through this process with food rescue, that they will even learn <clears throat> how to apply these things to other important social issues, you know, and how to bring attention to those things. So it's going to have impact beyond just, you know, the, 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 the food being rescued from the schools or the restaurants. So I want to jump in to, I
0: mean, you built this to a very big level. And I want to hear, I always love to hear the failures along the way, the struggles you had. And I know you could probably talk for hours because all of us can as entrepreneurs. Tell me what it looked like at the beginning, like the different obstacles that you had to face and how you actually went from that being started here in Indiana to going to 19 states. I don't even know how you did that. How you did that approach, and now you you took a whole new approach to it. Let's yeah. let's hear that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in in the beginning, it was a volunteer model, which everybody wants to go get food and take it to a food pantry. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I asked somebody, yeah. product, wow, this is so cool! I can take yeah. my family. We can do this service project. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you got 10, 20, ten, twenty, one hundred. All these volunteers to manage, and it was like, Oh, this is collapsing on is itself it, yeah. because I'm no is longer engaging. Company, re- yeah, I'm no longer engaging restaurants, I'm no longer engaging in trying to solve the problem. I'm just answering the phone when somebody doesn't show up. When a manager quits at a store, we had all this stuff engaged, and it was just becoming um, an unbelievable task to manage. And we were really asking, What is our mission, and how, what, where's our biggest bang for our buck if we really want to solve the food waste crisis? And uh, we had a really terrible moment that was actually a blessing, and that was that the um, uh, state attorney general of Massachusetts uh, called us and told us that we owed them $500. And, uh, really? Like, yes, yeah. so It was like, doesn't seem much,
2: enough. but yeah. when you run on a nonprofit budget, $500. Oh, no, right. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> too strict budget. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they said, yeah, you're doing business
1: in our state. And I said, well how are we doing business in your state? And I so, said, well, you've connected all this food with all these, uh, you've solicited that, so you're soliciting as a not-for-profit in our state. And we're like, uh, okay, so if we stop, this quarter million dollars worth of Panera Bread that we've connected with all your carrying agencies is going to stop if we stop signing for it. You know, So is, yeah. is that what you really want? And they said, sir, it's the law. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we started to do some investigating, and the stack of papers that is to file as a not-for-profit in all 50 states is pretty substantial, Oh, and and, expensive. The, and the expensive is you'd have to pay an agency $10,000 to register in every I single can, state, not wow. a non-profit the budget. Floor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we said, okay, do we really want to operate in every single state and raise the money for this and hire employees and do all that paperwork, or is there a way that we can really just operate here out of Indiana and inspire people? Yes. Rather than just be in charge of them and call so them. So you took a step back. Because oh. you, were,
0: you were in 19 states. Yes, yes. It, so, when you talked about 19 states, did you just contact people in every state and say, hey, jump on the train and let's do this? It came
2: from a, our, an interview that yes. we did with a radio station that is national, and they put that on and the call started rolling in. Because people heard the story and they're like, you're right, this is stupid, how, how do I help? And so we would connect them and work with them to get them up and running, but we found when we took the step back and said, how about if we give you the resources and we'll give you the advice and you can take it and you don't have to be a part of our organization we can just inspire you. Yes. And then people started to take personal ownership of that and started to do some really amazing and, stuff. And they were in 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 the end they were serving the food pantry anyway.
1: Yeah, they were never operatives of food rescue. They were serving as a volunteer for that yes. for that agency. So there really wasn't any tremendous Functional change. It was just a title change so that nobody would ever come after us like Massachusetts. Yeah, <laughs> like Massachusetts. but it's amazing
0: one radio show yeah. where they hear yeah. your story and then it just kind of expands yeah. like that. And
1: and then another one we were we were placing volunteer ads on Craigslist and getting all kinds of hits. You know, wow, for, for that. People were interested in doing it, and we had content. You yeah. know, we had blog content. We had uh, uh, stuff on our website. We had pictures. So the pictures don't lie. You know, you see oh, yeah. all this food waste. A van like full eat. of food. Yeah. Trials, yeah. 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 So it resonates with with uh, definitely a personality type. It resonates with. I can tell you that right now. I always meet somebody who drives them nuts. It doesn't yeah. drive everybody nuts. <laughs> but, exactly. But well, it does some. So, so
2: one, yeah. One of the big things that we learned too is that the school or the restaurant and the caring agency are the most integral part mm-hmm. of this. And so a lot of what we would do is we would make the introduction. We would make sure all the legalities were covered. And then we'd step out of the way and let them do what they wanted to do anyway. They just didn't have the connections or didn't understand the legal implications. So I think that was one of the big lessons we learned is we are really in the business of logistics mm-hmm. and sales. Yes. And we're making connections and we're building a network. or expanding our sphere of influence. But then we're getting out of the way because we don't need to be so involved for a credit standpoint because that's counterproductive that's right. to meeting our goal which yes. is to get the food to people who are hungry. So that was, I think for me, that was a big revelation. It was. That sometimes less is a whole lot more. So, no. so sometimes, an,
1: ob- sometimes a, an obstacle is a good thing that comes in a way, you know. And that moment with, uh, and, and it, rather than looking at it and crying and saying, oh, this is going to end our operations as we know it, is, it just gave us a different lens. You know, the book Who Moved My Cheese? Our cheese got moved that day, and yeah. it was good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, that's a point to make, too, because I found out as an entrepreneur and many successful people, they considered failures or obstacles. I believe they happen for a reason, and you learn a lot from them. And it ends up becoming the best thing for your success. Yeah. And that clearly happened for you guys, because now you're at a much better focus on what you want to do, and now you're really going to make a big difference.
1: Yeah. It's it's the true. You know, after after eight years, we know that the way to solve this problem is the next generation. Yes. And, and we have been in that. Uh, opened up this opportunity to reach the next generation rather than putting a band-aid on this big giant wound and and you
0: know if any nonprofit out there if they i mean from what we're talking about if they really took note to that approach they'd have a bigger effect and you know i'm glad you guys see that you see it exactly i mean talking to me as a millennial i'm 25 years old i exactly see it and it would affect me and that's how you get their attention doing the the way that everybody else used to do doesn't work anymore it does not work.
1: We were, we one time, we contemplated like the number of meals that we, you know, were, were rescuing and it was over a million a year that were, were re- recurring wow. every year, you know. So what's what's Ignorably. beautiful about a food rescue is once you schedule it, typically it continues on in perpetuity and you don't have to manage it. Yes. We just made the introduction, so you get to keep adding to those totals each year, assuming that they continue on. We started thinking about those meals and we're like, you know, we could continue to do this and we would have X, Y, Z amount of impact. Mm -hmm. But what if we could change a culture? You know, what if we could change the actual mindset of this, and where does that change begin? And it would have been very easy just to continue on working to try to change this particular restaurant's mind year after year after year when they keep saying no, 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 and celebrate these little victories because the little victories were huge. You know, we got City Barbecue to to do every store in America to donate their food when they were doing zero previously. Wow. You know we got a hundred of four thousand little caesar's pizzas to do it when they throw away an
2: unbelievable and amount. tell me how you did that brendan you were a big part of that how did I, you just went caesar said hey will you be willing to donate?" no actually again you know it's not really something i can take credit for um, through one of the other businesses i worked with the secretary for the mayor of noblesville was uh, a client and i was telling her about the awesome stuff happening with food rescue and she said oh You need to meet Dave Kuhn, who's the uh, owner of the Little Caesars in Noblesville, and talk to him about doing this. So she made an introduction. I met with Dave, kind of shared with him what was going on. He's like, don't know if we're allowed to do this, but I want to. (laughs) He said, let's give it a try. And he did, and we found out it was great. It went from freezer to freezer, and it was safe, and people loved it. I mean, when you're hungry and you don't have food to eat, and I've been in that spot when I was younger, Pizza. 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 Ramen pizza. pizza would be an awesome <laughs> thing to get. As <laughs> Anything opposed, would be awesome. As opposed to grilled cheese or bologna, and pizza would be, would be rock star. So we made the introduction, and Dave was faithful to <clears throat> work with us, and it started to multiply, and he started introducing us to other franchise owners and saying, hey, this is really cool. And they saw the model, and they saw how we took care of them as far as from a legal and a safety standpoint, and they said, yeah, we want to try it too. And then they would just... I'm on board and the story would spread. It's amazing the snowball effect bees when you get it's getting
0: the first one is the hardest part. Yeah. And once you get that one on board,
2: then the rest is like, "Okay, I need it. Me too. I need to jump on board." Well, I think people want to know it's safe, and I think it's hard yes. to convince somebody to do something until you have a good story to tell. Yes. You know, I feel the greatest man who ever lived served people and told great stories, and we still talk about him 2000 years later. So That's so true. Storytelling. So that's the big thing that I think is the greatest part of the S.L.A.T.E. program because not only are we going to provide business mentors and things of that nature to add value to the lives of these young entrepreneurs, we're also going to allow them to be part of telling the story. And kids tell some of the best stories in the world. Oh, yeah. We had a 12-year-old girl, never met her before, recorded this awesome black and white video talking about how stupid it was for us to be throwing away this food, damaging the environment, when there were hungry people out there we could give it to. We didn't solicit that. She told that story. 12 years old. 12 years years old. (laughs) It's it's up on our website, foodrescue.net. But it's amazing what the power of a story will be. So what's it like when we have 100 young people who are passionate, telling their stories in the way that's unique to them? And I look at you as a talented, intelligent young man, Telling your story and the success you've had with your podcast. I 100% Because you tell stories. You know, it is true. Like, I found out,
0: and I I always talk about this. I mean, when I go speak, podcast, whatever, you tell a great story. You're talking back. uh, The Bible, I mean, is the best story there is. And you know how they were able to impact people to get to do things? It's because they told the story. People could visualize it and feel it. So when I tell stories, I make it very descriptive and make it where they can be a part of it. And you sell your story. You sell your story, you sell your dream, just like food rescue, a business, whatever it is. And people, they will they will listen. And that's why I'm glad you guys got it figured out, the millennials. We, we learn and we are impacted by seeing the vision of where we are, how we can be a part of it, and how it can really change. If we see the
2: end goal, like, wow, we can change the world. And then to invite people in and say, hey, if this resonates with you, come hang out with us, let's do it together. That synergy is such a powerful thing. I, I do this with my friends when they've got a tough thing ahead of them. I said, tell me your worst house chore. And one of my friends said, painting, I hate to paint. I said, how bad would it be if I brought six of our buddies over with pizza and some music and we all painted together? <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Exactly. And I was like, so we just took your suckiest chore I mean, and I turned it <laughs> into something fun. So. If we take these problems and say, okay, this is a problem, guys, if it resonates with you, would you like to come have fun with us and help us solve it? And to me, that takes something that's an obstacle and turns it into an opportunity. And I no, love that.
0: Exactly. No, Val, tell me how you plan on getting the kids involved. I mean, you're going to tell the story, but what approach are you going to take where it's exciting for them and they really want to be a part of it? What no. What is your strategy?
3: No, Absolutely. Well, it goes back to telling a story. Yeah. So we want to tell them a story, um, uh, and we're going to pose it to them as a challenge, right? Because millennials like love challenges, challenges, right? So that's what it's all about. We got a challenge for you, and guess what? We've tried to fix it, and we can't, and we know that you can, (laughs) and you can because when you tell a story, you're more innovative than we are. You're more creative than we are. Well, thank than you. We <laughs> Absolutely, right? I'm not a millennial. I'm just outside, but yeah. I you can act yeah, you like look a millennial, millennial yeah. right? You're, you'll adopt me as a millennial? Yeah, I'm I will. In. We'll <laughs> I'm millennial, in. Yeah, so we're going to tell them that story in the form of a question, right? And the question is, one in six are hungry while 40% of our food is wasted. How are we going to fix this? Can you help us? And we want you to tell the best possible story in your high school, Guess what, the high school next to you, they're gonna be doing the same thing. Let's create a challenge. The high school next to them, they're doing the same thing. And let's see who can tell the best story, get the best results, and at the end of the day, we wanna do a couple things for you. We wanna reward you for that. And so we've put some things in place to drive engagement, to make it fun, exciting, Plus, me. Let's
0: hear the different incentives people would get.
3: <laughs> do we want to mention this? Yeah, why not, right? Well, what Food Rescue is gonna do is Food Rescue Food Rescue is gonna offer any school, that's jumping on board to be a part of this, right? Yeah, you can offer them a thousand dollar scholarship for a kid. I, I was just gonna say perfect. I love it. Right? And these kids are gonna earn that thousand dollar scholarship at the end of this five-month time period, but it's gonna be voted on by their peers. Oh, so oh, 10 I love of us it. Are in a group. Genius. We're going to vote who's going to get the $1,000 scholarship. And then we're going to partner with um, um, businesses yes. in the area um, and have them help support a five or maybe $10,000 scholarship at the end of the five-month period like we just talked about r- running this program. We're going to have a food rescue innovation showcase. Tell us what you did how you did it, the impact you had, how you measured it. Show us your videos, your pocket. Put together a 10-minute presentation of what you did over the course of five months, all 10 of you schools. And we're gonna have business leaders vote on it. Shark Tank tank style, asking questions. Brandon was
2: actually on Shark Tank, he understands. So (laughs) I wanna talk about something here. You guys
0: are doing, I was a part of something like this. And you have, the approach you're doing is genius. It will work. I was a part of a called Apprentice Program in Des Moines, Iowa, and Tana Gertz, who was on the Apprentice Season 3 with Donald Trump, and now is actually campaigning for Donald Trump, I met him here three weeks ago, pretty awesome, but anyways, she puts on a competition in Iowa, 250 people applied, 50 competed, and it was based off a of business, and we had to do different tasks, and for me, I'm very competitive, I wanted a way to get my name out there, my product, Arctic Sick, and also... The five thousand dollar prize. Well, I won all the tasks, but the last one was fundraising. We all got to pick a nonprofit. Since I had won the previous task, I got to pick one. I picked a nonprofit called Endure Iowa. They raise money for cancer victims and military. And I had reasons behind it. long like, I got to pick this guy, and it was just, it was a small one. I had different big ones I could have picked from. That like people are like, why did you pick them? They have a big team. I know. Like, I believe in this one. I wanna help it. So there was five of us competing. We all had our own nonprofit. And like you guys had said, you have the schools compete. And we all had our groups. We did different fundraisers in the city. I mean, we got for me, I did commercials, I got on TV, radio ads, everything. By the end of the five or twelve days, personally, I had raised thirty-three thousand seven hundred and sixty-six dollars and forty-two cents. Combined between the five groups, we raised, I think, seventy thousand. Now that just goes to show you when you get incentive, when you get people competing against each other for a great cause, you have a great outcome. Now you guys get colleges or high schools involved with this, you are gonna unleash a fire. I will. That, it, no, you will. Like this approach is genius. It is genius. I've seen firsthand. So embrace that. And for anybody listening right now, make it competitive, make it incentive. And make them feel a part of it because mm.
1: it will work so, so these kids along the way they're going to take pictures of the food that's being kept from the landfill yes they're going to go interview the caring agencies and the impact that food is having there they're going to post those pictures on a post of food rescue on our website they're going to tell the story of that particular food rescue wow and then they're going to use what's called the whole earth calculator which demonstrates how many, how many pounds equate into methane gas is preserved from going into the environment. And they're just going to begin to tell this story and then go down into the elementaries and the junior high schools and recruit other kids to do the same thing. So we're, go we're building
2: much. leaders. John Maxwell talks about <clears throat> this. Um, multiplication of leadership is one of the most powerful things. If 3 plus 3 plus 3 is 9, 3 times 3 is 9 times 3 is 27. So John... John Maxwell always talks about raising up leaders and then using the power of multiplication. Yes. And so that's part of the brilliance Expand. I think in what in what Den, Denzel came up with is
3: we're going to mentor
2: this group in high school. That's where we're going to start, but we're going to empower them, those that are passionate to go in and mentor junior high. And then when we get that group, they go in and mentor elementary. And so you have this culture of leadership and entrepreneurship and social responsibility that people now can say, "I can make." Exp-
0: exponential. Difference. I yes. mean, it, it really expands. You, you build that foundation, Absolutely. and it'll work for itself, and you get that small snowball effect. Ha oh, ha!
1: You guys are doing Yeah. <laughs> imagine the content out there from just all these kids around oh, the country. Oh, there's God. a. There, I mean, I mean, this, these guys don't even know this, but there's a young lady in North Carolina that has started uh, through an organization. One of our chapter presidents got her going. Yeah, And so I'm like, it's time for you to do a guest uh, newsletter. It's time for you to take pictures and put your stuff on there. So it's organically already starting um, yeah. to resonate with kids around the country. That That's
0: amazing. I, I want to hear from you guys. You can just come in and kind of say your thoughts. What have been the biggest things you have learned while working for a nonprofit fundraising? What are some big things you take away from it? either
1: the struggles or just yeah I mean what you think of over the years you've been doing it as a fundraiser you have to ask yourself what if I did not exist and if you and if and if you didn't exist and if you you know if your organization didn't wasn't here if people wouldn't be impacted there's no sense in asking people for money so I have learned to realize that when I ask people to contribute to organization I am doing them a favor it's not them doing me a favor, I am giving them an opportunity of a lifetime. And taking that approach has been uh, remarkably, it changed the fundraising aspect. When I was able to go to every single person I know and genuinely look at it from that lens, uh, instead of, you know, I'm genuinely doing you a favor to get you involved in the opportunity of a lifetime. And if we did not exist, there would be this negative impact on the community. People would not be fed. And to, to be able to present it with that kind of passion um, was life-changing. No,
0: I could see the effect on me now. What would be something not to do that doesn't work for trying to raise money?
1: <laughs> what are the things you try that just, they simply don't work? Yeah, I, I think not, not having a story, you know, not, not having your numbers and knowing your metrics, you know, what's for, for, for what dollar you give, this is the impact you have. To not have all that information stored away, people want to know what their return on investment is in an organization and to be able to say how many cents, you know, how many meals per cents that I donate are going mm-hmm. to be rescued. Um, there's many things that are difficult to measure in not-for-profits because people get inspired and do, go on and do other things. And how do you always measure what the impact yep. of your organization is? But you have to know your metrics when you go in and ask for you gotta ask it. you got to treat it like a business. Yeah, I mean, you I know do. it's a non-profit. I hate, it. I hate it, but it's true. You have to. Yeah. That's
0: like any kind of fundraising, treat it like a
1: business. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't work. It won't work yeah somebody's gonna ask you a question you're gonna go you know yeah um, we, we exist we have a purpose we have impact and it's measurable and we're accountable for it we set goals we reach some of them we don't you know in, in others and we measure why we didn't and move forward just like a business would so there's a million nonprofits out
0: there and uh, I mean all there's a lot of great <clears throat> ones but for anybody listening why you Why why Food Rescue,
1: why? You know, for, the, for the, we have what, what would be considered to be very low overhead. With Val and I, you know, together, the, the, our budget of our organization is $110,000, yet we are uh, rescuing a million meals a year with the connections of we well over a million meals. Wow. Um, and that's a very conservative, conservative, yeah, and that's a conservative estimate. So the bang for your buck is about six and a half cents a meal um, for a donation to Food Rescue. Uh, we don't have buildings that we are you know, supporting all kinds of infrastructure. It's just two employees that are that are working for this uh, organization and to, to grow the impact uh, to solve the food waste crisis at the base level, which is the culture, the mindset that food waste doesn't matter. So we are attacking the problem at the very root rather than just at the symptom level. Well,
0: well, you got my attention. <laughs> hey,
1: anybody listening
0: out there? I mean, these guys are right. This is a big problem. We 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 don't always think about it or realize it. And especially, I mean, living in the US, certain times, I mean, I know when I go to the buffet and I eat a lot and you have the extra food there, it's like you know there's somebody somewhere else in the world where they can't find their next meal or that food in the fridge that gets wasted. And it happens and it, it's sad. I personally am a victim of it when I travel and it's hard, but you got to think about the other people out there You got to think about how they could be getting that meal And if you look at at that approach how there's somebody out there starving and you're full and you have abundance of food think about how you can really make a difference by doing something small helping food rescue and making a big impact and little impacts little different choices we do along the way can expand into something huge five ten years from now it could be a movement that everybody I mean we change our culture yeah. we change how we think yeah. Yeah. start now we can make a big difference a big difference so guys I I really appreciate you coming on the show Thank this has friends. been this has been fun I just before we go let any last thoughts on
1: anything you want to tell the audience for what they can do for you yeah, you know, you know, if food waste was reduced by 15%, we would wipe out food insecurity by 50%. So just with just, just making a tiny reduction, we could do that. So, you know, contributing to our organization you know, with these scholarships to these schools, with the Slay program, and just the general movement involved. Tell your schools, it, inquire to us on our website at k12foodrescue.com and yeah. k12, and, excuse me, and foodrescue.net send us a send us a a contact and we will give you some information on how you can go about talking to your schools we'll give you the materials the law the facts related to it so that we don't have to live in the dark anymore uh, about this issue and that we can get this food out to the children and families in need
0: that's awesome man i want to acknowledge you guys for how great of people you are and I, i i just i really mean it because you're making a big impact you have the right approach and after listening more, I mean, you have the strategy that's going to work. I've seen it firsthand work. You keep going, and you guys are going to make a huge impact on this world. Thank you so much because we need more people like you. Anybody listening, if you want to join them, please contact them. Or I mean, even contact. I'll have on the blog the links to it. Let me know because I'm willing to help these guys too. We could do this. I mean, most of you millennials listening right now. We can make a huge impact by doing just a little bit. Just a little bit makes a big difference. So thank you guys. That's it for today's show. In the meantime, you know what time it is. Go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. I had a lot of fun with Food Rescue and all the guys part of the team. Please, I urge you to go to their site, foodrescue.net, or go to k12foodrescue.com, and maybe your school could be the next school to join the movement. Every little bit helps, and I urge you to reach out to Food Rescue and help in some way. It's a great cause, and all of us can be a part of it in small ways to make a huge difference in this world. All of that information and more is on my website, brandontadams.com. Check out on the blog post, episode 67. I have the video they were talking about, about the girl that showed food waste. It's very impactful and emotional. And then also, all the different uh, content there as well about this show. So check that out. Now, before I go, I want to tell you about the first ever Young Entrepreneur Convention we are launching in April of 2016. I just booked a huge name. I want to tell you right now, but I can't. Let's just say this. He impacts millions of people every single month. To be among the first to learn who this speaker is and also to learn more about the launch of our crowdfunding campaign in November, please go to youngentrepreneurconvention.com. Sign up. You'll get updates and also you got the chance to win free tickets to the event. I will be speaking at this event. A lot of other big names are going to be speaking at this event. It is going to be the top in the country. I promise you. Me and dozens of other entrepreneurs have been working on this and you're not going to miss it. Sign up on our website, youngentrepreneurconvention.com and join us and I'll even meet you in person. We can hang out and we can talk about how we can take your business and lifestyle to the next level. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. And in the meantime, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.